This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 422 for Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back, the co-host of Zombies Ate My Podcast, and of course, Busy Zombie Lord and all the social media that matters. Hello, sir. Howdy. You and I were just talking for a little while about the fall lawn care that most homeowners have to go through. Uh, uh-huh. And I had a question and I'm wondering, I'm going to pull the uh, knowledgeable Citadel Cafe fan base and ask, because I was thinking that it's surprising that people that have to rake leaves, mulch leaves, or somehow dispose of leaves. It's surprising to me that there's not a service where those leaves are then turned into like Yule logs or or fuel for uh, wood burning stoves or fireplaces and things like that. You're going to have to collect them in your own yard anyway. So if anybody knows of a service or a company or something that does that kind of thing, because we all know that Yule logs are just sawdust glued together. Like, it's not like it's, you know, amazing. Usually there's wax in them too. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised that there's not some sort of way to take these leaves and reuse them. Now, I say that and I don't know what like local facilities here do with those leaves because people can leave the leaves on the sidewalk and the city will pick them up here in, in Dartmouth, Halifax. But I don't know what happens to them after that. And I could do a little research and find out, I guess. But um, I don't know whether they're sent to a place that does make logs or things. And I don't know what, what actually happens with them. Um, I, know that in the, I know that in the springtime, as we have a leaf dump, I have to drag everything to the leaf dump and dump them. And I know in the springtime, if it's not that bad, I will grind them up. And then I have a, I have a small fire pit. I will fill the fire pit, throw a couple pieces of wood in, and I'll burn the leaves for an afternoon like they're all gone in like an hour but uh, but in the middle of like right now it, there's too many leaves i'd be i'd be burning a fire 24 7 for like three days to get rid of all my leaves and i mean i've been renting for 25 no 20 years so i don't know um like i don't know enough about lawn care and the city process and stuff like that like i don't i don't even have a garbage day there's a bin out back you know when my garbage is full i take it to the bin it's every Thursday is when the bin gets emptied. I know that much, but like, I, it doesn't matter when I take my garbage down. It's just, it's going to be emptied when it's emptied, right? Yeah. And I have a pro tip for anybody out there that has pine needles in their yard. I learned a nifty trick this year. I've always had to rake the pine needles and I'd rather rake leaves. Pine needles are a pain in the butt. And I decided to go over them with my mower with the bag attachment on it and see what would happen. And, it sucked up all the pine needles. And I went, huh, this saved a lot of time. Sure, I had to start and stop the mower like four times so that I could get all the pine needles. But I would do that over having to to to, to rake all them in, rake them up, fill a bag. Oh, man, it was way easier doing it with just mowing them. Nice. 
So while so, I'm uh, polling the Citadel Cafe audience uh, and folks that are wondering, you can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Uh, I am still in the market for a subwoofer slash soundbar set up for my home theater and uh, Xbox uh, set up in the living room. Uh, I, for the longest time, I've been using headphones and I just don't find them comfortable. I can't find ones that don't pinch my head. So uh, I thought, you know, I don't want to get back into full 5.1 surround because I'm in an apartment. I've got a couch in the way. Like I don't have a, a way to install speakers uh, subtly in the room. And so I've noticed that a lot of sound bars are getting really good reviews. And I thought I would dig a little bit deeper and share the models that I was looking at as well as the price range that I'm looking at. But my gosh, there are a lot of sound bars out there. Like there yes, are yes, there are six or eight from every different company and you just don't know which one you want. Now, sometimes you can make a decision quickly because like for me, I don't have the TV wall mounted. And so I have the space between the feet of the TV and that's it. I don't I can't go any larger than that. So the two models that I was looking at are from TCL. They are front. They're the same model of um, soundbar as my TV. So I thought, well, if they're going to work together, hopefully, you know, the TV and the soundbars are, are going to be friendly. Um, the Alto 9 Plus is a 3.1 channel Dolby Atmos soundbar. Uh, that's at the higher end of what I'm willing to pay uh, at, I think it's 369 American. So it's around $400, $500 Canadian. Uh, but then the TCL Alto 6 Plus is a 2.1 channel system. And that it doesn't do Dolby Atmos. And that's what I was kind of hoping for. I was hoping for something that could do Atmos. Um, and have a wireless subwoofer. And what's nice about these subwoofers is that they're small. Like they understand that people are maybe in apartments. They don't want to necessarily shake the building. It's just a little, you know, 10 by 10 by 8 subwoofer um, that I could sit like behind the couch or maybe just to the left of the TV. And so I'm looking to have something that's just going to boost the audio quality just a little bit so I don't have to wear headphones. Now, that said, I'm also thinking like, well, if this is going to be out of the price range, maybe the better thing is just to invest in a decent pair of wired headphones. So not Xbox stuff, like not headset stuff, because that stuff tends to be very limited options, yeah. overpriced. I don't need a microphone. Like I want something where I can just sit down and listen to or watch um, films. But the problem, of course, is that, like, that I'm tethered to the TV, like that I'm going to sit there with a wire, because usually wireless headphones yeah. are a pain in the butt. Um, it would be nice if the soundbar was also either smart where it had a home assistant uh, or it was um, Bluetooth enabled at the very least. Uh, that would be cool because then I could play music from my devices or, or whatever. But the, like the TV already has that kind of stuff built in. I believe the TV will work with, um, it's the Amazon voice service because it's a Roku TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would be cool if I had something that could, could get in there. Cause like I have a lot of stuff that's currently working with, with Siri because uh, I have an iPad and an iPhone and uh, some of my lights in the living room can be hooked up to work with Siri, sort of. But they work better, apparently. The the Govi branded um, LED strips and bulbs that I have in the living room, they work better with, uh, I think it's Amazon, if not Amazon and Google. But it drives me nuts how so many of these devices don't, they work with some but not all of the voice assistants. Yep. And so I currently still have to turn on things one at a time in the living room rather than one voice command to open up everything. But my solution is that I have it on timers. So it just comes on whenever at a certain time of day, which I've had to adjust this week <laughs> because it's dark at like four o'clock. Uh, yeah. So, 
So my lights have got to come on uh, earlier. But yeah, so if anybody has any soundbar recommendations, I'm looking to stay. I don't think I want to spend much more than 300 Canadian if I can help it. Because uh, at a certain stage, I'm just like, well, for that price, I should just maybe get a better, like, just get a full system. But I like I've been down this road and I don't want to go through the hassle of having like, you know, four satellite speakers and a subwoofer and an amp. Like, I don't need all that. I'm beyond needing the best of the best. What I want is something a little bit more robust than my TV, which is not bad, by the way. I have to say the TV speakers for the TCL are actually pretty good. They, they, they're good. Uh, my my only gripe with mine is, is I got a soundbar this year. Um, and my only gripe with uh, the speakers was while they are good, they they're not as loud as I want. Like like I can hear them, but sometimes I have to turn up the volume really loud and a soundbar kind of readjusts all that stuff for you. Um, and I got a Vizio uh right that's the other brand i see a lot vizio 32 inch it's a 4.1 soundbar system and normally it goes for like 150 to 200 american and i got it on sale uh in it was it was on basically not kind of like on clearance and i got it on clearance for like 80 bucks and so it was kind of like a no-brainer that that's what i wanted that's what i was going to get there is a YouTube channel that I quite like. I think it's called Digital Trends. Yep. And uh, one of their soundbar reviews lately, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of like, this Vizio soundbar has no business being this affordable because it was yep. apparently really good. Uh, yep. I just, you know, I, 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 I'm just cautious about starting to mix brands even though I know uh, that there are well-known speaker brands like Bose and Sony and JBL, they make soundbars too. But it's like I, but I need it to work with the TCL TV. And I know the other thing that works. I want is is like a pass-through. Like I want it. I, I know I want pass-through because that means that I can hook the Xbox up to it too. Yeah. I, I, though I was my biggest concern with my sound system was uh, I needed it to connect with. I wanted it to connect with my TCL. And I wanted to be able to control the volume with my TCL remote. I did not want to have to use two remotes. Right. And yeah. and the Vizio connects and it's got there's some kind of digital thing inside of it. And it connects and it lets you control the volume with um, the remote. If you want to change settings, like change it from movie to game or do anything like that, you still need the regular sound remote. So I have that sitting in, I have that in the armrest of my chair, mm -hmm. but, but I don't touch that, but maybe once in a while, most of the time the sound is fine. Um, but I can control the volume and mute it and do all that stuff with the TV remote. Everything connected. Perfect. So I have to look it up again. I did know the definition for it, but eARC and arc for HDMI are, yes. are two things to look for. And I think that's what that, is one of the perks of of that uh yes is is the the be the ability for the television to control the soundbar rather than having to switch to the because i used to yeah. have that problem with my amp of course is that i'd have to mute my tv or turn the volume on the tv all the way down to my old sony bravia and then use yeah. the amp to control the volume and then i'd have a different remote control for the blu-ray player and then the amp volume like it was a giant mess well, and, not only that, but it was it was tricky when I set this up. I'm used to going optical, 
That's right. why I've always set up my stereo system. So I would plug things into the optical port, plug it into the sound bar, go do this, go do that. And I've always thought that that was the best way to do it because that's the way I did it 10 years ago. And I haven't had a sound bar or a stereo system in like six or seven years. So I was like, all right, well, I got to do this. And then I realized I was going to have to control the volume with the second remote. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. That's one of the reasons why I bought this thing. What am I doing wrong? And then one of the things says, oh, you've got to figure out which HDMI port on your TV is ARC. Yep. And you plug in the thing to your HDMI port. And I went, oh, this is new. Okay. And there was a whole learning curve for about two days where I had to figure all this stuff. Wow. It's really and, clearly marked on the back of the TV. Usually the HDMI port will have like a big label that says ARC or eARC on it. Yeah, mine didn't. So I, oh. it, well, my, my, I looked up on my manual and my oh, okay. manual says that the ARC is port one. Right. And I was like, okay. So I plugged everything into port one and it still wasn't working. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And what it is, is it's port three, not port one. Oh. And it's wrong in the manual. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it, it really I don't miss the troubleshooting that I was trying to do early on with my TV because I've gotten a little bit used to it and honestly it depends on the content but I find that when you're doing like slow pans of different things uh, in video you'll get some strobing and it's just a I guess it's just a symptom of having a 4k TV it's just that they're not perfect and you just you have to yep. deal with this thing and I'm just not used to it. My old 1080p TV was, I always thought it was amazing because I watched something like The Dark Knight on Blu-ray and every shot was just butter smooth, right? Uh, yeah. So I've got higher definition with the 4K, but then also sometimes it looks terrible with slow pans. Now, and it depends because like I can do like test footage on YouTube if you can find a proper like, you know, Dolby Atmos or, or 4K HDR, you know, sample to use and it'll look amazing. Uh, but then you'll watch something on Netflix or you'll watch something else. And he's like, why is this? It feels like a pan and scan. Like it's really rough. And it just depends on on the content. But there is more and more content out there that's that's getting sharper, uh, yeah. which is good. And and I'm happy for that. Specifically stuff that is entirely digitally produced. You know, like it's it's not like a, a, digita a digitization of an older film, but like something that is produced entirely, you know, digital. Like animation, for example, tends to look better then then something sometimes it doesn't like sometimes classical animation like um that old um that dota animation the uh, dragon's blood or something there were some yep. pans in that were stroby my gosh it was rough but you know after a while you're just kind of like well i can't fix it so like i kind of have to just deal with it but i don't i don't uh remember fondly the endless Reddit threads I'd be digging through for the TCL settings to figure out what the heck was going wrong and how could I fix it. I don't want to go through that with my soundbar. Like I'm, I'm really hoping to have something that's just going to work. Uh, this, this Vizio, like I said, it was about an afternoon and a half between other things that I was like, ah, I'm going to try fixing it this way. I'm going to try and fix it that way. All right. And then once I got it to work, boom, I've had no issues. And we've had the soundbar for at least three or four months now. Nice. Very, very I got cool. it. I, I got it back in back in like August or August or September. Well, I haven't uh, had a chance to play yet, but um, I'll be dealing with just the television speakers for the time being when I uh, load up Forza Horizon 5, uh, which came out yesterday. And I thought I was going to get a chance to play. And then I was an adult and I went for a jog and I was just too tired <laughs> after dinner. Uh -huh. And I just decided, you know what? I just, I think I'm going to wait 
Uh, it was a nice rainy day today. I, I might take advantage today and, and check it out. Um, but uh, I know that there's been a number of games coming out. Have you been delving into anything zombie related? Uh, I've been playing Back for Blood a little bit, uh, dipping my toes in when I can, when I have people to play with. Um, I don't like playing it with randoms. Um, I've tried that a couple times, and I'm pretty sure I keep getting stuck with 10-year-olds that are just... They're there to just shoot zombies and have fun, and so there's no planning. It's oh, if I shoot this thing or I hit this button, it's going to activate all the zombies. So I'm not going to wait for everybody else to catch up. I'm just going to push the button now. And then everybody dies. <laughs> and yeah. that ha that's happened to me enough times that I've been like, no, I'm going to wait for when my friends want to play and I'm going to play with them. Um, the game does have single player, which so did Left 4 Dead. And I've played through Left 4 Dead single player and done really well in the past. Uh, the AI with this game is dumb. Like, 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 they they, they need a whole AI revamp. These wow. guys are the dumbest AI I've ever played a game with. Um, it's my biggest gripe with the game is it's unplayable single player. The AI is that stupid. Oh, that's frustrating. That's and, frustrating. They like I understand that they're never gonna run ahead of me, so they're always gonna be with me, but they're always like. 30 feet behind me. Oh, that's not so helpful whenever, at all. So whenever I run into trouble, it's like I have to shoot and kill zombies for like three minutes till they decide to catch up with me. And then they get stuck on a wall or I'm inside the building that we're trying to get into, into the warehouse. And they're still standing outside the door, shooting the one or two zombies outside rather than the like 50 coming through the door on the other side at me. And I'm like, come on. Or, my, my biggest gripe was there's a mission. It's actually a really cool mission. You have to bring these supplies to a building. And when you get there, um, they're trying to, there's a horde of zombies chasing you. And um, there's a horde of zombies chasing you. And you've got to prepare for them. And then you've got to hold out for a certain amount of time. And they give you a minigun. And you get to pick where you mount the minigun so that you can cover killing all the zombies and i was like oh that's really cool so i picked a high spot so that i'm up high so i can see kind of more of what's going on and i can it, it doesn't give you a whole 180 degrees but it's like 130 degrees so i have to let go of the minigun so that i can cover a couple of spots where does the three ai guys stand in front of my minigun <laughs> and i'm like so they made my minigun useless great yeah helpful and i'm and i'm like and, and i'm like and they can stand anyway there's a whole field for them to stand and i know they need to be close to me but they've been behind me for like 30 or 40 feet for the last like 20 minutes as we run through the level now all of a sudden they have to stand in front of me less than 10 feet from me come on well i'm glad that i asked because back for blood is something that i have access to with xbox game pass uh, which is something, uh, which is how I have access to Forza Horizon 5. So I haven't gone out and bought it. I just, I have access to it. You know, I installed it a couple days ahead of time and I could have just pulled the trigger first thing yesterday morning had I wanted to. Uh, but I've been looking at Back for Blood and uh, I'm glad that these, I, I've now been told that the single player experience, which is kind of how I'd have to play, 
uh, is is not good. So I'm I'll I'll avoid it unless there's a chance to to play it with other people because um, I, it's not th those kind of games are not really my first choice anyway. I like a good first person shooter. I generally want to play those on the PC, and uh, you know I generally don't do multiplayer a lot. Like I tend to go for yeah. like the Borderlands. Um, I actually I just downloaded for free on the Epic Game Store this week. It's roughly fourteen dollars on Steam Canadian. It's a one-off adventure, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, something, something, Dragon Attack. I don't remember yep. what it's called. There's there's a new game coming out uh, based on like a spinoff from from um, Borderlands, Borderlands yeah. 3 called Tiny Tina's um, Wonderland. And it, it's a mix between like a, a tabletop fantasy Dungeons & Dragons RPG uh, and Borderlands. So things like swords and sorcery, but also guns and bullets and all the borderland yeah. stuff that you enjoy plus the graphics are similar and the sense of humor is off the charts because tiny tina yeah. is bat shot crazy like it just it's 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 a uh, it looks like it's a really cool game and so they put out this one this one mission kind of um one-off game and epic games has it for free this week so or at least for a few days so i downloaded it i haven't installed it or anything like that i shouldn't say that i downloaded it i i claimed the free game on epic and i'll just i'll get to it eventually um, yeah, because I'm I'm looking. It'd be nice. It's one of the things that's nice about these kind of things is that if I'm looking for a break, if I'm looking for something that's going to change, it's not a big investment. Like it's a one-off. You know, I'll probably finish it in one session, and that's good because it'll give me a taste of what's to come for the for the Wonderland game. Uh, it'll be a fun art visual change from what I'm doing right now in Satisfactory and in Minecraft, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually looking forward to Forza Horizon Five because I thought Horizon Four looked beautiful on my tv i can't wait to see a game that's been developed for this current gen of um of uh of systems because uh, i have the tv i have you know the xbox series x so i'm looking forward to seeing what that's that's going to look like going forward um speaking of uh all that entertainment in the living room uh lou what have you been watching this week i have been watching something that's apparently be really popular among everybody right now I watched the Squid Game. Oh god, <laughs> it's everywhere. Every, people are it's referencing everywhere. it. It's pop culture, like memes. Like, I, and I don't, yeah. I don't get any of it. Okay, and, and that's kind of how Erica and I feel. And Erica likes Asian TV. It's not a problem. So we've watched a few Korean TV shows and whatnot. And uh, I can watch subtitles. It's not a big deal. But if it's dubbed, oh my god, I'm so much, I'm so much happier. And this is dubbed, and it's a really good dub like they do they you can tell that netflix went out of their way to try and keep the lips almost matching the english dialogue so there's no like it's it's not like an old uh, it's not like an old bruce lee movie where the lips keep moving and somebody's already stopped talking like it, it, it it's really it's it's a it's as close as you're gonna get and uh i went into it i watch a lot of anime and the idea of people competing in a game of life or death. I've seen it in comic books. I've seen it in books. I've seen it in anime. I've, I've, I've seen it everywhere. So I was like, I think this is, I think this is society's first major influx of uh, something that's been popular in, 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 in my, my cup of tea for a long time. And that's kind of what this is. I enjoyed it. It's really well written. It's really well acted. It's really good. But if you're familiar with the concept of like, like people competing in a life or death game, 
and you've seen it in comic books and you've seen it in 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 anime before that's exactly what this is right not not reinventing the wheel it's not reinventing the wheel um all the characters are very compelling more so than in any other version of this i've probably seen um uh they introduce your hero. I can't remember his name. Um, but they introduce your main hero. And they kind of make you think he's a dirtbag for like the first episode. It's like the first episode and a half that you think you're like, this is going to be our hero. He's kind of a dirtbag. Like he's his wife is his wife is she's remarried. And he's kind of like a deadbeat dad. And he's living with his mom. And his mom's like, you got to go find a job. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like conning money out of people. And you're like, wow, I don't really like this guy. And this is going to be our main character. And then about three episodes in, they explain to you why he's this way. And it makes perfect sense. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. And what you find out is no, I don't think it's going to, it's much of a spoiler. But he was kind of a guy that followed the system, and then um, he got laid off from his work, and they protested, and he has PTSD uh, because while the protest was going on, they tear-gassed the crowd and killed some of his friends. Oh, wow. And he has PTSD, and that's why he's shady as crap in the first two episodes. He's still dealing with the aftermath of that. So, And you're... I get the feeling that the show is dark, despite its bright colors. I get the feeling oh, like it's a grim, grim show. It's very, very grim. And it doesn't tell you how grim it is until about halfway through the first episode. Like, you're watching this episode, and you if you don't know what you're in for, I knew what, we knew what we were in for, but I can totally see people watching the first two episodes, first episode, and thinking that if this is like, oh, these people are going to win a game, and then they're playing red light, green light, like yep. a little kid's mm-hmm. game. And then all of a sudden, somebody's still moving and they failed. And the guys with machine guns gunned down the people still moving. Oh, my God. And you go, oh, they're dead. And they're like, you broke the rules. You died. And it, the game starts out, there's like 480 of them or 490 of them. And by the end of the first game, there's like 230 of them. Wow. Contestants. And literally every game afterwards, it's like they slowly um uh uh they slowly drop fast. So it's it sounds like it's a, a game show version of like Battlestar Galactica where you're trying to figure out who's a Cylon. And so week to week you're gonna try to figure out who's gonna die this week. Yeah, that's kinda how it is. And they introduce about probably about fifteen or sixteen like main characters or Characters that are kind of like get a lot of screen time and then there's a lot of people that just die and you're like, yeah, I don't even know who this guy is. He's going to die. And sometimes they even do a job. They do in a later episode. They do this really interesting thing where like there's this guy. You've seen him in the background and stuff, but he's not really important. Like they haven't even given him a name. And then all of a sudden, like he solves a problem for them. And you're like, oh, wow. Is he like an interesting character? They're going to oh no, he's dead. And you're like, okay. Yeah, I, I I will give like props to shows that, you know, will kill people in the credits. You know, like when you're watching the opening scenes and people have like named, you know, credits 
and and they end up dying or they end up being turned into some villain or like in Battlestar Galactica, they end up being a Cylon and you're like, oh, wow, this is most unexpected because a lot of times in these shows, um, you'll think that like certain characters are safe or the heroes are always going to win. I'm thinking back to a conversation I had this morning. Uh, Alistair was watching the series finale of Supergirl and just like painfully communicating to me how messed up and terrible the writing is for it like it's it's just abysmal and to the point where we were wondering like how the actors and stuff are even getting you know by making the show but there's a reason why a bunch of them are leaving yeah well and i think too that like when you've got shows like netflix and they have i don't know whether it's less spoons in the pot or whether it's just they have so many other properties to fall back on they can sort of throw the spaghetti at the wall and take some risks with shows like Squid Game and see yeah. if it sticks. But I mean, like, it's a phenom. Like, I, I'm i hearing about it online all the time. I know from reading a little bit about it and hearing people talk about it briefly, it's not for me. Like, I, I know that. So I'm probably not going to go down that road. Um, but um, but it's interesting that it it has well, such high stakes. The, 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 tr- the trick is, is that one of the things going on in the game that is interesting is you've got the main hero who is you you, you kind of know he's going to make it towards towards the end of the movie. If they don't, if they kill him, it's going to be in the last few episodes. You know what I mean? And he's the main hero. And one of the things that happens is um, somebody sneaks aboard. The, they all get gassed and then they wake up there. And he inter- gets interviewed by like a cop who's trying to figure out what the hell's going on because somebody he knows went missing and he thinks it's tied to whatever this is. And he sneaks aboard the ship they're all on to go to wherever it is they're going. And he's hiding because everybody wears masks there. He's hiding amongst the people with masks, trying to figure out who's in charge, what's going on, so he can get back to the mainland and report it to the, his, his police chief and tell him what's going on. And so there is a mystery going on on top of all these people dying. It's not like every episode is like they just focus on the contestants. That's that's probably about 70% of the show. But then there's this 30% of like this, this mystery, this cop trying to bust these guys wide open and crack the case kind of thing. So there's kind of a... That was different. Uh, and interesting to me compared to most people that are doing this this sort of storyline right on i um i haven't like checked is, is there going to be a season two like do there they ha- is a season two okay. it ends on it ends on a moment where uh something big is revealed and the main character starts to put more pieces together and then realizes uh that no he's not done and uh, and it's 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 more like he's going to be sort of the detective again for the next season kind of thing. Okay. And I and it's very interesting. If I if it's going where I think it's going to go for the next season, it's going to be interesting. Very cool. So for me this week, uh, I have been blown away, and I I don't use that term lightly when it comes to talking about animated series uh have you heard of arcane 
on Netflix. I've I've seen the trailers, and when I saw that this was in the notes, I watched the first episode so that I could at least talk some of it with you. All right. Um, I am not a League of Legends guy at all. I hate MOBAs. So um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever played League of Legends. I've watched it played. I've played other uh, MOBAs like Heroes of the Storm. So I understand the premise. I can't watch League of Legends because I don't know any of the characters. And I find that the gameplay is just far too fast for my old eyeballs and I can't keep up. Um, and part of it is probably just having not played the game. You know, you don't really understand it. Uh, but, uh, for those of you that don't know, and, and I'll, I'll give a spoiler warning here. Arcane is a series animated series on Netflix that is based on league of legends. It's being released weekly, but it's being re released in weekly chunks of three episodes. So think like act one, act two, act three. Uh, and from what I can tell, they're taking places at different timelines too. So, uh, episodes one, two, and three, which is what we'll talk about today. Um, I'll give a spoiler warning here for people that are worried about it. And I would really encourage people to go watch it because it's it's worth it's worth watching. Um, you don't need to know anything about League of Legends. I, I barely know what it is. I've seen characters. I know a couple of characters by name just because of pop culture and, and art that I yeah. see online. Um, but League of Legends is uh, a very popular game um, from Riot Games. And I would say probably one of the most successful MOBAs on the planet. If not, it's number one, yeah. I think. Um, I think it is number one and Dota is like number two. Yeah. So between um, Riot and Netflix, they've got more money to throw at this than than I think most entities would in terms of production. Uh, and it is very, very good. And it's I, gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And I, and I say that as someone that went to animation school that worked in animation for six or seven years, that is highly critical of, of animation when it's not the best. And you've heard me on the show go on about certain things uh -huh. that, that, that don't meet my, my standards. And the, are there a, a few shortcuts? Yeah, maybe, but like only out of pure economy, it's, it's nothing. Everything about it is just stunning. Um, visually. So the first thing you're going to be struck with is just the art direction of the entire show. So uh, it's CG. So it's, it's like Toy Story. It's like Pixar stuff. It's, it's like Clone Wars, but uh, it has painterly textures. So when you're looking at someone with a beard, you can see the, the, like the Photoshop brush strokes of the beard. So it looks like a comic book. It looks like uh, a moving concept art piece in that way. It's very, yeah. very cool. The technology they're using is amazing because it, it doesn't look out of place. Like, you know it's CG, but because of the way that they're rendering everything and the texture they give everything, it also looks 2D. It looks flat. It looks painterly. Well, not only does it look 2D, but it also looks like someone painted it. It doesn't look, it doesn't look CG. It looks like a piece of art moving. Yeah. Oh, precisely. It's precisely. amazing. Yeah. The, so if you've, and if you've seen concept art for video games, you know that some, some concept artists are, are, we'll say rougher than others. There's more of a painterly look to it. So think of like, you know, fine art like um, Van Gogh or or Degas or um, I'm trying to think of other expressionists that you, you'd be able to see the brush strokes. They weren't trying to hide everything. Yep. It wasn't hyper-realism. Yep. It was okay that you knew that paint was used, you know? And that's what it's yep. like with this. They're not trying to hide the fact that they used computers or, or brush strokes to make it. They're not trying to do something hyper-real. Uh, and I think that lends a lot because you, they're asking a leap of, of, faith in terms of reality because the world that they've set up is uh a mix of like steampunk there's magic 
that we know there's magic, but magic hasn't kind of like weaseled its way back into the current timeline. There's magic that we've seen in the past in some of the flashbacks yeah. and stuff. And like, so the, and this is where the CG really shines. And it's a combination because some of the effects, explosions, lightning bolts, uh, any kind of magical bubble or smoke, it's all hand animated. It's classical yeah. stuff. So it's the kind of thing that you'd see in a classical Disney piece, you know, like Tarzan or I'm trying to think about something that would have a lot of like smoke and effects in it. Like any kind of magical things like Sword in the Stone or those kind of older animated yeah. things where they had to do everything by hand. The effects are like that. And it's this beautiful mix of having 2D effects hand animated that has that familiar tone to it. It, it feels, uh, you can feel the, 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 time and artistry that went into it whereas with a lot of modern cg shows i like the look of the bad batch it has that same textural kind of scratchy quality to it but the animation is pretty stiff everybody's kind of animated the same way you know yeah the only reason you can tell the difference between them is because they have different faces exactly different makeup and you're like and and it's okay but it definitely feels more kitty this does not feel this does not feel like it was being marketed to children. This feels like this was being marketed to adults. Oh, it's aimed at 16-year-olds plus. I think the TV rating yeah. is TV 14 on Netflix. Uh, it's it's violent. There's death. There's um, trauma. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that is not for, for young kids at all. And even if they are old enough where that stuff doesn't bother them, a lot of the subtleties of what's happening are going to go right over their head. So the way that they're doing it is they're setting it up. You follow uh, Powder and Vi, these two sisters uh, who've lost their parents and they're being raised by this guy, Vander, who's basically like a former soldier, um, former, not a rioter, what's the revolutionary, you know, warrior. And and he's raising them in his like defunct bar. So everything is very like steampunky and there's this divide in society between like the lower levels, which is all grungy and grimy and criminals and underbelly and stuff. And then the upper levels, which is all like the academy and the order. And I'm trying to remember the exact terms that they use for everything. One is called um, Piltover, which is, it sounds like built over, but it's P, Piltover. So, and that's the, the city and society that's that's essentially built over Zion or Zion, um, and that's the lower ground, and and it's it's a it's a classist system. It's a, it's a totalitarian regime uh, that is kind of suppressing the lower class, and yeah. that really um, kind of sets up the conflict with everything, and. So Vi and her sister and her friends run this little teenage, you know, kind of like pickpocket group and they're, they pull off a big robbery and it ends up causing some real problems. They get in some real trouble and it sparks what I think is going to be a, a revolution between the two, the two factions. Uh, but the way that they handle everything, they don't explain everything to you. They don't monologue. You're thrown into this world and through the action, through uh, like a court session that they show, through the the behind the scenes of who's pulling the strings what power is really like you get to see all the facets of this society and it's really well written and it's really well presented and yeah so and that all happens at the same time that you're watching this absolutely breathtaking animation uh the action is fluid and dynamic and fast-paced and then the subtle scenes are nuanced with really good acting like facial acting facial expressions eye darts like 
if you're talking to Vi, who's like 16 or 17, and her younger sister, uh, Powder, Powder is maybe 12 or 13, and she yeah. acts like it. She acts like a little kid. She's mousy. She's scared. She's her body language. She's often got, she, you know, when, when um, young women often stand in the, or I guess men do it too. They, they kind of like one arm is straight down and the other arm is like grasping their bicep. Like they kind of stand closed, you know, kind of hunched over one arm drooping, the other arm grasping the other arm. And it's subtle things like that, that you catch up on that really communicate what the character's psyche is like, what, like what they're thinking. Are they confident or not confident? And both of these characters are incredibly strong female characters for a number of different reasons. Uh, Powder is a strong emotional character. And then Vi, also emotional, but she's mostly angry all the time, is a strong physical character. Like she gets into yeah. fistfights left, right, and center and kicks the snot out of people because Vander, their, their kind of um, adopted father, has taught her how to box. And uh, it ends up with some really cool climactic scenes. So in the first three episodes, they cover this this tragic story of this one mistake that they made trying to just get by and steal from the people that have more money than they know what to do with. And it ends up like people die characters that you enjoy over the, over this course of three episodes don't make it. Um, there is a falling out between Vi and powder. That is, it hits you in the gut. Like it is rough because you really fall for these two girls in terms of their sisterly relationship that Vi is just constantly looking out for her sister and Vi's anger at the 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 Piltover society is aimed at giving a better life for her younger sister like that's her goal and ultimately there's a spot where they fall out and it's Vi that that crosses a line and it's just like I I didn't gasp, but if you were watching it with a crowd of people in the theater, you would be able to hear like a, what just happened, you know? And then Vi realizes her mistake, goes to correct it, but then situations happen where she's prevented from intervening. She's preventing, prevented from going and apologizing to powder and they separate. And you can watch the psychological break that happens to powder in an animated character. You can watch this kid snap. And it is gut-wrenching and visceral. And like they have really impressed me with what they're presenting in this show. And I think it goes to show the target audience. They're aiming at older. They are not saying, oh, there's going to be some adult jokes, wink, wink, uh, you know, here uh, for the adults. But mostly we have to make sure that it's PG, right? Uh, that's, That's not the case. That's not the case at all. So... They, they by doing that they can pull the punches and say like no we can show some really deep psychological stuff here but to communicate that in an animated character is not easy and uh the, so in even in those subtle scenes nothing is is phoned in and it's animated by a, a company called uh Fortiche, i hope i'm pronouncing that right in france and as soon as i found that out i was not surprised because watching the show reminded me of animated shorts that i've seen out of the school goblins in in france so if you're in animation there's a it's a famous school where the graduating class from the school their short film is usually something that just looks absolutely incredible and and blows your mind as far as um quality and and timing and just overall art direction and the fact that um 
this is a French animated show really kind of you spot it right away if you know what you're looking for. Um, yeah. The company has done other League of Legends trailers. They've done shorts and ads for the Gorillaz music group. So like to kind of yep. think about like that kind of nuance to it. Um, but the production design and everything that they present, like there's a lot of black light stuff. There's a lot of glowy things. There's a lot of like everything that they do has this great combination of like magic and mystical zaps and powers and electricity, like think Frankenstein type stuff with like cogs and wheels and gears and technology. And as far as technology goes, it's like gunpowder and muskets and stuff like that. And right. my gosh, like they just, it's such a fun ride to be on. And, and like I said before, you don't need to know anything about league of legends to enjoy this show. Uh, I, I know out of being familiar enough with the character archetypes, who powder is and where it's going. And it's really interesting that they're giving like backstories to well-known characters that people use to play in that game. Right. They did this with, uh, that Dota blood dragon, dragon's blood. Dragon yeah. Blood, yeah. It, 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 different animation style, but it's a similar idea. And you don't need to know anything about Dota to watch that show. No, exactly. The, 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 and I, I think that, that that is definitely something that I think a lot of people could learn from. Uh, often when they try to take these video game adaptations and do something with them, it's often that they're too heavy on, here's the thing that you go, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you played the games, you know this. And it, it that stuff always takes me out of the experience so i watched this first episode knowing some of the league of legends but i'm not a league of legends legends player much like you i've seen some of the characters i've seen enough of the art and then i was sold by the end of the first episode though i will admit i'm gonna wait till the whole thing is out before i go back and watch it because i hate week to week <laughs> Well, so the thing is that from what I can tell the and from seeing the trailer, it looks like they're going to jump ahead. So episodes one, two, and three, that story is done. And I think yeah. you're going to pick up with these characters several years in the future, right? Because yeah. I've seen, um, I mean, again, spoiler, Powder turns into Jinx, right? So she changes her name. And Jinx is the character that players would know and recognize. And, and yeah. you'd recognize powder because she has like it's same blue hair, same kind of like braid off to the side, but it's much shorter yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's definitely some things that you'll pick up on. And, and I know that over the course of the show, there's a number of moments where there's this just dramatic pause when they ask a character their name and they say like Victor, or they say, you know, whatever their name is, I'm, you know, Stannis or, 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 um, Silco or whatever it is. And that's supposed to have some weight with, um, with uh, League of Legends fans, I don't know that, so it doesn't really matter to me. But there's definitely right. some fan rewards for people that are fans of the franchise and are very familiar with all the characters. There's going to be some like, oh, I know who that is in the background, like that kind of stuff. And that, I mean, it's lost on me, but it's it doesn't pull away from anything in the show. Um, but yeah, so they're going to pick up with the characters later on, and and I'm curious to see where they take it because Jinx, as far as I can tell, looks like a loose cannon as far as her art, like she kind of looks like a, the crazy gunner, you know, kind of person. And she's the sweet little kid in this show so far. So like, I'm curious as to how far they, they push it. Uh, she ends up in the arms of the villain. So think like, you know, Anakin turning into Darth Vader and then becoming like the Palpatine's puppet. That's essentially what looks like happens to powder. She has this mental breakdown. The only person left alive and around to, to, 
coddle her and to guide her is this evil person. I don't even remember his name right now. Um, he would be the one, I say the weakest part. He's He's got a red eye and he's villain with a capital V. The moment you see him, he speaks with a weird snake-like, you know, S's and, and he's creepy. Like he sounds creepy. He talks creepy. He walks creepy. He stands creepy. You're just kind of like, okay, villain, you know, like I get it. So that's a little bit disappointing. Um, because even some of the, the characters that you, you think, okay, uh, police force, the enforcers that come down from, from Piltover, they're bad. They're all stormtrooper, you know, bad guys. Turns out a couple of them actually have some, some roundness to them that you weren't expecting, uh, and some kindness in them that, that you weren't expecting. And so, when the show starts to surprise you like that, it's a little bit strange when you see like cookie cutter villain, you know, walking into the scene. Um, but it's a small, it's a small, small grievance. Uh, the other thing that I thought yeah. was really good is the voice acting. Um, Haley Steinfeld, who you and I have mentioned a number of times on the show recently, uh, is excellent as Vi. And I, I didn't know it was her until I finished the third episode and I went to go look it up because I didn't want to have her image in my brain. Like I kind of wanted to just, have Vi speak to me. And when I looked it up, cause I was like, man, I need to know who powder and Vi are because they're phenomenal actors. And I was pleasantly surprised, but also just like, Oh, that makes sense. When it was Haley Steinfeld for Vi. Um, I don't recognize, uh, Mia Sinclair Jenis as powder. Um, but she nails the delicate balance that's needed. Uh, and then the other person I enjoyed was uh, JB Blanc, uh, or blank, uh, as Vander and uh, Vander unfortunately doesn't make it in the first three episodes, which is frustrating um, because I really like him. He's kind of got that uh, jaded hero vibe going on. And plus I like, I like the first just... episode. I can say I'm not surprised he doesn't make it. Through no. The yeah. No, you, you kind of this episode. I'm like, you're not destined for this world, buddy. Well, and the thing is like, you can tell that the main characters are Vi and Powder and you know that their futures are guided by tragedy and you're in the prequel. So like how many people around them are not going to make it, right? Like what's going to happen? Um, exactly. But there there are some other characters that I know make it because they're, they're characters in the game uh, like Echo. Uh, and he's just a kid. Like he's just an eight-year-old or 10-year-old kid in this. And again, really well acted. Like he thinks he's badass and he likes to jump around and make it look like he's cool. But then when real tragedy happens, when we're, when people start dying, he's scared, he's terrified and he doesn't know what to do. Yep. And I, I like that they, I like that the characters in this just don't all of a sudden turn hero. Like just because he's a main character in League of Legends and because he's got this future, uh, doesn't mean that at 10 years old when he watched someone being ripped in half, uh, which th thankfully they don't show, they kind of leave that to your imagination. But yeah, um, when that happens, he's mortified. Like he just, he can't function. He doesn't all of a sudden right. be like become angry eight-year-old and willing to join the fight. You know, like he's just, he's, it's not, he's not ready. And neither, neither was powder. And that was the problem is that she got involved too young and saw things that she shouldn't have seen and, and did things without thinking. And it really, really, it rips her apart. And I mean, I can't recommend this show enough. Uh, I, you know, again, not for young kids, uh, certainly don't have young kids in the room when you're watching it. Cause there's, there's like swearing and stuff in it too. Um, yep. but it's, it's so good and so refreshing to see what can happen when a studio puts a lot of money, effort and time and care because like these, the animators that worked on this absolutely cared about what they were doing. Uh, the acting shows. The, the, the acting is fabulous. Like you said, Haley Stanfeld. But what I liked most about this was the fact that there 
I didn't know who everybody was. Like, this is not full of like super known name actors voicing people. They're people that if you're into, if you list, watch a lot of animated stuff, you might recognize a voice here and there. But there wasn't anybody that I was like, oh yeah, I know that person. That's another famous person. That's another super famous person. There was only like two or three where I was like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. And even then, you'd probably have to be more familiar with video game acting than you would be with yep. like, you know, um, animation or, or voice acting. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server and will get you access to other benefits, which include website thanks and bonus episodes. There's a new bonus episode, a barista cut with myself and Steven that was just put out today. So you can check that out. Patreon count is at 21, which is up one from last week. So welcome aboard to the new folks. Uh, still down from last month, though. So if you're looking to increase the patronage on the show, if you want to become patron number 22, then visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And this time of year is always a heavy Lego sort of situation here on the Citadel Cafe because I'm a fan and boy, do they have my attention right now, uh, I will say. It is well out of my price range. But the Lego Ultimate Collector Series Star Wars AT-AT is going to be released on November 26th this month. It's set number 75313. 6,785 pieces. Comes with a box bigger than my head and is a whopping $950 Canadian. It, I don't understand how they can get away with this pricing. Like, it's it's... To the point where I'm just like, that is just criminal. I don't understand. Like, it feels... I understand that models and, and certain collectibles are are desirable and, and they have that, that appeal. But, like, it started with the Millennium Falcon and the Millennium Falcon was the most expensive Star Wars set for the longest time until I think something else eclipsed it. I can't remember what it was. Um, I know for a long time it was the Super Star Destroyer at one point. Yeah, too. the Millennium Falcon beat that one too. I know somebody who had the Super Star Destroyer at one point, and I was like, why do you have this? Why did you spend the money? It's gorgeous, but oh my God. Well, that's the thing, right? Let me look. At, this is with taxes, this would be more than my rent. Like, yeah. that's. You know, and I, I mean, I don't need to pay December rent, right? I can get away with just, you know, not doing that. I can just buy this instead. No. See, and that's the thing. Like when you, when you start, start to compare it to other expenses, like that's rough, you know, and I, I, I wish that there was a better way to, to have them be more affordable because ultimately I can't afford it. I can't justify it. I'd have to win the lottery to even come close. And even if I did, uh, or even if I saved up, they're gone. By the time I can afford it, if that's the case, yep. or if they're going to come down in price, then, you know, by the time you actually, you know, think, okay, well, I might be in a position financially to afford like a $600 Lego set. They're discontinued because they don't sell enough of them because, oh, I don't know why, because they're $950. So I, I mean, I didn't intend for this to sound quite as negative as it, as it is, but like, I'm really disappointed with how expensive it is because it is fan freaking tastic and it is minifig scale. And or at least a, to a point, it's minifig scale. Usually, the, my beef with the Ultimate Collector series is one, they're too expensive, and two, they're so big that th like an A-wing 
is is so big that a minifig can't sit in it and look proportionate, right? Like it looks it looks out of right. out of whack. And and so with with this, because it's a big vehicle and it's meant to be a troop transport, they've actually included several minifigures. I count five, ten, I think. Uh, and they can go inside. There's a cockpit with with like pilots chairs. There's the troop transport section, the bay. You can fit um, characters in there. It comes with Luke Skywalker with a blue lightsaber. So he's still carrying Anakin's lightsaber like he was in the Empire Strikes Back and a cord so you can dangle him from the belly like in Empire Strikes Back, which is just, it's a beautiful touch to the entire thing. But it it looks fantastic. It's the best version of an AT-AT I've ever seen come out from Lego. And all of the other versions could walk underneath it because this thing is 25 inches tall, 28 inches long, and 10 inches wide. Like It's a monster. In comparison with the price, I have a Steam Deck coming next month, and it isn't this expensive. No, exactly, right? Yeah, I don't think I didn't. I don't think I spent that on my Xbox. I think the Xbox is around five hundred dollars, something like that. You know, like it just you know, my TV was far less than this. I think my TV came in. My TV came in probably at around a thousand dollars taxes in, right? So it's the same price. <laughs> you know, it just it's yeah. I mean, again, it's gorgeous. It's very cool. And to see what I like so much about the marketing on the Lego site is that they have an individual, like they have a person in the shots with it. And like the head of the thing is bigger than a human hand, right? Like it, it's really something else. So what's your pick this week? This week, uh, I'm going with a game, uh, something that's free for people that I've been playing off and on for a couple of months now. Um, I used to play Hearthstone. I used to really like Hearthstone, but it kept asking me to spend more money. And if you didn't spend money, you would lose like big time. And it got to the point where only people who spent money on it were winning. And I went, uh, and everybody was playing with the same deck. So I went, uh, I think I'm done. And, uh, I gave up on Hearthstone a couple years ago. And then a friend sent me a link and he said, there's something that just showed up on steam. It's called Storybrook Brawl. And my friend had also given up on Hearthstone. This is Hearthstone Light, and it's not a. And I don't know what their money marketing plan is going to be, but I haven't spent a dime on this game, and I feel like I win a lot. And I'm not that good at it either. So it feels very much. Uh, it, it's sort of like Hearthstone, but instead of being based on World of Warcraft, it's based on all your favorite fairy tales and 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 like urban legends like there's a chubacabra there's one of the monsters and uh instead of being snow white and the seven dwarves it's snow right in the seven dwarves so it's like an undead snow white that that has seven dwarf minions and uh all of the you you instead of everything being like you build a deck everything is randomized you get gold every round and you use the gold to buy the monsters that you're going to use in the fight that's about to happen. And the fights continue to happen. There's eight contestants in the battle and it keeps going until there's none left. So every round you'll lose like six or seven hit points and then you go to the next fight and then it, it'll keep going until there's nobody left. And it a game takes about 30 minutes exactly. They've, they've timed this thing down. I've had games go, ex they go almost 
30 minutes to the to the exact time and then it's and then and then you can start a new match if you want there are no cards involved in the game oh okay it is not a card game um it when you pick the game begins uh it gives you a random selection of like three or four heroes and you can buy the better heroes so that if they pop up in your selection you always can pick them that's how they make their money okay um I've won enough and played enough. I've bought like there's like 26 heroes or something like that. I've bought like five or six heroes and I've never spent any real money on the game. I've just played it enough that I've earned enough in-game money to get access to them. And they keep rebalancing the game. So like every month or so, they release a patch and they 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 will buff somebody a a monster that was weak. And something that everybody's using because it wins too much, they'll change the mechanic enough that that's not really a problem anymore. And they kind of keep doing that. And it's a work in progress, but they're even doing tournaments for this thing already. Really? And, like the tournaments have the tournaments have like $5,000 prize wins and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like, really? Not bad for a free-to-play game. Not, yeah, not bad for a free-to-play game. So they must be making money somewhere. But I've had a good time with it, and if you're looking for something free, and you gotta, I play this on my laptop. Uh, it's buggy. Like this, sometimes, sometimes the game acts weird, and full screen never works right for me, so I have to play it windowed. But um, it, it, I've had a really good time with this. So uh, if you're looking for something free, uh, this is definitely this is definitely fun for free. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about today at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com and follow the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And while you're out there, if you wouldn't mind popping into the iTunes store and leaving a rating and a review for the show, it does a great deal to put us in the ear holes of potential new listeners that are just looking for new sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You don't have to listen on iTunes. You can peace out once you leave the review, but it would do us a great solid to have that review out there. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. Looks like we might have a pre-release this week for Minecraft 118. So we look forward to that conversation on Monday. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I'm playing an awful lot of Satisfactory, as well as Minecraft. And I'm looking forward to getting into some other games as the holidays get closer. So I look forward to that. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is under the name Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters. And you can check out my show, Zombies Ain't My Podcast, where we're digging through the catalog of The Walking Dead and getting caught up on some of that stuff. And, uh, we're going to be covering some movies. Uh, Ryan did Extra Life, and for donations, rather than me playing video games with him, we're covering movies that were requested by people that donated to his Extra Life stream. So that's going to be happening over the next couple of months. Nice. I love that um, Ryan is is um, doing the Extra Life thing. He was talking about it the last time he was on the show. It's always such a, a cool uh, charity and cause. I, I can't do the, 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 the gaming for like 12 hours anymore, so... Uh, instead we've decided that anybody that donates that's a fan of our show they can pick movies for us to cover so we we've had enough donations we've got like six or seven movies that's great you've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast easy and cheap but you can only pick two